What's going on guys? Hope all is going super well. Thank you guys for joining me for my state of the market video for July, 2022. There's a lot going on in the market guys. There's a lot going on in the market. And as I've mentioned on previous videos, this really is the video of the month. I put out a lot of content every single day, but this video, if you're only going to watch one, it's this one. So it's only on the podcast. So I highly recommend that you jump on Spotify. If you're on any other podcast platform, you can listen to this, but you're not going to be able to see the graphs. And so the video is a, a Spotify exclusive. It is only on Spotify. So jump on there and take a look at that. But let's talk about what's going on in the market as of July, 2022. And I want to start with this idea of the economic slowdown. All right. This is a term that you're going to be hearing time and time again. You're going to hear it on the news. You're going to see it online. You're going to see it on social media. Economic slowdown. This term is something that you're going to see everywhere. And there are two terms that I'm going to highlight today that I really want to talk about. One of them is this one, economic slowdown. The other is recession. And so the idea behind this, guys, is to understand what is a recession. What is an economic slowdown? Why is it happening? And how does it affect the real estate industry? So we're going to spend the next 30 minutes or so together, and we're really going to dive deep into what these things mean. We're going to have charts and graphs and quotes. You guys know how in-depth I like to go with these videos. So let's get started. Again, there's this idea of the economic slowdown, and there's an interesting quote. It says, quote, recession fears surge among CEOs new survey suggests three quarters of global CEOs say we are in a recession or will be in the next 12 to 18 months, according to a new survey. That's according to the Wall Street D Journal. So there's this word again, recession. And if we go out and we just ask the average person, what does a recession mean? Most people cannot answer that question. They'll say something like, it just means that the economy is bad. It means that things are really expensive. Uh, they'll throw in the word inflation, which is a hot, sexy word now, but nobody really knows what it means. So what is a recession? Let's start from the basics. What is a recession? A recession in the uh, very basic terminology, the definition is when you have two consecutive quarters of GDP decline. All right. So when the GDP fails to grow and you're in the red, you got negative numbers of GDP growth. When you have that for two consecutive quarters, then you're officially in a recession. That is the textbook definition of a recession. Although politicians now are trying to change that definition, but it's always been two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth or GDP stagnation or GDP suppression equals a recession. And so it's important for us to know that and to understand that so that when we hear these terms, recession, slowdown, inflation, we can start to try to make some sense as to what they're actually talking about. And then we take the next leap into how does that affect us as consumers, as buyers, sellers, agents, lenders, what does this all mean? So that's what we're going to get into today. Another great quote from mortgage specialists says throughout history during a, re a recessionary period, interest rates go up at the beginning of the recession, but in order to come out of a recession, interest rates are lowered to stimulate the economy moving forward. Historically, we have seen a repeated uptick in interest rates followed by lowered interest rates. So this is what we're seeing right now, guys. I mean, it's right here. We're going into a recession. Right, quarter one, negative GDP growth, look it up. 
Quarter two, it looks like we're also going to have negative GDP growth. So what does that mean? We're going into a recession. And so the important thing here is to analyze history, analyze what has happened before. Nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the future exactly, but history tells a story. And usually if we can analyze and study and understand what has happened in the past, we can get as close as possible to try to figure out what is going to happen in the future. And so this is what we're seeing. We're heading into a recession by the textbook definition. So we're seeing interest rates go up, interest rates spike over the last 90 days, three, four months, interest rates have gone way up. They've almost doubled in a lot of situations. This is not uncommon. This is what happens when you're going into a recession. But the good news is that as we reach the tail end of a recession, and I'm going to talk a little bit about timeframes, as we reach the tail end, we always see interest rates drop. And we're already seeing that a little bit. And so we'll go a little bit more in depth as to numbers, but it's just a matter of understanding that this is what happens. This is what historically has gone on when you talk about recessions. So here we have a graph of mortgage rates during recessions. So the blue line represents the 30-year fixed interest rate, and these vertical gray lines represent the recession. So you can see how the interest rates have dropped from 16% to 11.8, 18% to 13, and you can see during all of the last six recessions, interest rates have dropped. And so this can give us a tremendous insight into what's going to happen over the next six to 12 months, and we're already starting to see that now. This is one of my favorite graphs. There are two things that I want to highlight with this graph. Number one, as you see in every single recession since the 1980s, mortgage rates go down during a recession. And it's interesting when you see the COVID-19 recession, it got all the way down to 2.8. Never in the last 50 years had we had mortgage rates that low. And it was interesting to see when we were in the thick of it at the beginning of 2021, a lot of economists came out and they said, hey, it's actually not a great thing to have interest rates this low. We should have something a little bit more balanced. Having them this rock bottom low is actually not a good thing and there could be negative consequences for the economy in the future. I remember hearing these things, but obviously everybody was excited because rates were so low. So I want to highlight that point that during the COVID-19 recession, they went down below 3% that had never happened in the history of histories. It just wasn't normal. It wasn't, there was just no precedent for interest rates that low. So something had to give. And I think that's what we're seeing now. So that's the first thing that I want to highlight on this graph. Point number two is the duration. So if you look at this duration, not a single recession for the last 50 years has lasted more than 18 months. That was the longest one in the Great Recession, 2008, all of 2008, half of 2009, 18 months. All of the other ones you have in the 1980s, six months, early 1990s, eight months, eight months, and the COVID recession, which was two months. And so the point that I want to make here is that it's not forever. A lot of people are feeling that the sky is falling, everything is awful, and we're just never going to recover, and it's just going to be this doom and gloom. That's simply not the case. Recessions don't last very long. Recessions don't last years and years and years. It's just simply a matter of understanding that this is 18 months max historically 
and then we move on to recovery. So it doesn't mean that the world is ending. It just means that we're in one of these tough spots that historically we've gone into and come out of just fine. I love this quote from Fortune. And here's where we're going to get a little bit into the numbers. But it says, quote, over the past five recessions, mortgage rates have fallen an average of 1.8 percentage points from the peak seen during the recession to the trough, meaning from the very top to the very bottom, about two points difference. And in many cases, they continue to fall after the fact as it takes some time to turn things around, even when the recession is technically over. And so a couple of weeks ago, we were seeing rates at about 6%, average rates about 6%. People were freaking out. I saw some rates almost going close to seven if there was low FICOs. So there was these incredibly high rates, at least we felt that way, because again, we're coming off of 2.75% rates. I refinanced, I have a 2.5 rate. That's insane. And so we were kind of used to that. And so when we see 6.5, it just feels like this crazy, crazy increase. But again, we're going into recession. So when that happens, we see this average of about two points. So if let's just say to use nice round numbers, we were at 6%. And if this uh, average kind of plays itself out, which I think it will more or less, we're going to be around that 4% mark, 4%, 4.5, something like that, which I think is a much healthier interest rate for the market at large. 7%, not good. 2%, not good. Because again, we had these low rates, crazy competition, prices were going through the roof. We don't really want that either. Uh, and so if we can kind of stabilize around 4, 4.5, I think buyers are going to understand uh, that that's just the way it is. And we're going to see an increase, an uptick in buyer demand. And that is going to maintain prices so that we don't see a crash. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but I think that's where uh, we're going to go. Now, this is the most important slide from this whole presentation. Recession doesn't equal a housing crisis. Recession doesn't equal a housing crisis. We have this idea that the market is going to crash just because we're in a recession, and that is not true. And I don't blame you guys because really the only reference that most of us have, especially millennials, of recession is 2008. So we all remember our parents, our uncles, foreclosures, just a bad time. And so we hear the word recession, that's our point of reference, that's our context point. And so we're like, oh shit, this is going to happen again. But the point is that this graph shows home price changes during the last six recessions. In all of them except one, which is 2008, a little bit in 1991, but it actually recovered really quickly. So really, aside from 2008, we have seen homes appreciate, continue to go up in value even during a recession. So recession does not equal a housing crisis. We need to understand this because there are a lot of people sitting on the sidelines waiting for home prices to drop when there is no historical evidence that that is going to happen. This is not my opinion. This is fact. This is data. It's not going to happen. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why it kind of feels like they're dropping, even though they're really not. It's really a smokescreen, and I'll break that down here in a second. So let, let's talk about inventory. Let's talk a little bit more specifically about the real estate market, right? We talked at large recession rates, everything, but let's talk about what is happening with actual homes 
on the market, actual properties. So here's the breakdown. Here's what we're seeing. And it all kind of follows this logical flow when you see what has happened. So interest rates spike. So a lot of buyers get freaked out and they decide to not buy and they sit on the sidelines or it might not even be that they decide not to buy. They just get priced out of the market. Now they can't afford it. And we have this affordability problem when interest rates are at 7%. It causes a lot of issues. So that happens. And we got point number one, which is offers received come down. That's where we're at now. We're not seeing 20, 30, 40 offers on a property with just crazy money over. You're, you're just not seeing that. Nationally, we're about at four to five offers on a home that is priced appropriately. And that is in check with what I've seen with our listings. You know, we get three, between three and six, depending on the area and things like that. So uh, you're seeing single digit offers. And so because of that, Buyers don't have to compete at such a high level. They don't have to throw the kitchen sink at the seller and just give them everything, including a year's worth of crumble cookies to try to win a contract. And so you see less offers over asking. They're more reasonable offers. They're more what we were seeing pre-pandemic, which we're going to talk about, but you're not seeing so many offers over asking. Incidentally, you see less sales. Why do you see less sales? The reason why you see less sales is because it hasn't hit sellers yet. So sellers still have this idea from last year when they were hearing about the craziness and they saw their parents sell or their friends sell. They saw people in their inner circle sell their property and the second that they put it on the market, they had 13 offers. And so sellers right now are having those same expectations that th those same things are going to happen that they're going to get $75,000 above ask with no appraisal contingency. I've had conversations with sellers and that's what they're expecting now. And so there's this learning curve and this process where the market has to adapt and we have to kind of learn what is happening now and adjust to the status quo because it's just not like that anymore. But because it's not like that any, anymore, a lot of sellers are either reluctant to accept offers, homes are sitting, because even though they're getting reasonable offers, sometimes at asking or a little bit above asking, they want more. And I've had, these are the conversations that I'm having. They want more. They want the 50,000 above. They want the 60,000 above. And when they're not receiving it, they're starting to get frustrated. And so you see people pull their houses off of the market, people not being happy, people, basically their expectations are being crushed when that expectation was never realistic to begin with, that's where we as agents have to be better at setting the stage and explaining what is happening so that we don't see this downtick in sales. And what that has caused is more inventory. Homes are sitting, sellers are waiting. And so more and more homes come on the market. The ones that are on the market aren't going under contract as fast. So you see more inventory. And so that's why it feels like the market is falling or crashing because there's so many homes on the market. But this idea that there's so many homes on the market is actually another smoke screen that we're going to break down. Quote from Mark Fleming, chief economist of First American says, there has been a pickup in the inventory that we've seen recently, but it's not from a big increase in new listings, but rather a slowdown in the pace of sales. And remember that month supply measures the inventory of sale relative to the pace of sales. Same inventory, fewer sales means more month supply. So here we introduce this concept of month supply. 
what is month supply? Month supply means that if not a single more property, not one more property came on the market, how long would it take for every home to be sold? Okay, how long would it take for every home to be sold? And so here we're seeing January, February, this is 2022. In May, we had about two and a half months of inventory. Uh, in June and July, that has gone up to about three, 3.5 I've seen, depending on the source. So about, let's say between two and a half and three and a half months of inventory on the market. We are used to 1.6, 1.7. I think it went to below uh, one month at some point last year. Like it was just crazy. But here's, here's the kicker. By definition, a balanced market, a healthy market is six months of inventory. So we are still not even at 30% capacity where we would need to be, air quotes, to have a balanced market. So what does that tell us? It means that we still have a housing shortage. It doesn't feel that way, but by the numbers, we still have a housing shortage. Here are new monthly listing counts uh, in the thousands, 2021, 2022. Here's what I want to highlight with this one, because I think that we're also forgetting the seasonal aspect of this. This goes up until May. If you were to add June and July, they've gone up even more, but that's not new, right? 2021 was the height of the market, all the craziness. And we were still seeing, you know, 359,000. This is at a national level, 372, 450, and it, it just kind of went up. So what this shows is that whether you're in a blistering hot market in 2021 or a cooler market in 2022, there's always less inventory quarter one. Always. There's always less inventory quarter one. Come quarter two, come spring, summertime, you always see an uptick. And if I were to stretch out this graph over the last decade, that's what you always see. Quarter one is statistically slow all the time. And so there are less properties on the market in quarter one because at least here in Utah, it's snowing, it's cold. Nobody's trying to move. Like there's just not that much motivation. But once we reach spring, school is starting to end, summertime, that's when really the activity starts to pick up. And this year is absolutely no different. So here we have existing home sales here. I love this graph because this graph is kind of a time machine. All right. So here we see existing home sales. Um, we had 5.5 million in 2017. It goes all the way to May of 2022. And so here's what we're seeing guys in 2020, 2021, crazy market, almost a million more homes sold nationwide. We know why we don't need to revisit that crazy market, but right now we're closer to levels pre pandemic. And if you were in the market pre-pandemic, you remember a good market. I mean, I remember a good market in 2017, 2018. There was still a lot of activity. I mean, we sold hundreds of homes every year in 2017, 18, 19, hundreds of homes a year. And there was still, a, you know, sellers were happy. Sellers were making money. Buyers had options. We could negotiate closing costs. And it wasn't like the sellers were getting ripped off. I mean, it was a healthy market. There was a lot of good activity that was happening for those years. We are now returning to that kind of market. That's what we're seeing right now. We're going back to that kind of market. Uh, Lawrence Yoon, I love this guy, chief economist for NAR, very smart man. He says, quote, home sales have essentially returned to the level seen in 2019 prior to the pandemic after two years of gangbuster performance. So that's the other point. We just have to have the proper context that 2020 and 2021 were not normal. 
They were not normal, nor were they desirable long-term. You just can't sustain that. You can't sustain 25% growth year over year. Even sellers shouldn't want that because sure, your property goes up in value, but then everything you buy has to be more expensive. And so it's kind of a give and take. It cancels itself out, if that makes sense. Then Daniel Hale, chief economist of realtor.com says active inventory continued to grow, rising 21% above one year ago. In other words, we're starting to add more options, but the market needs even more before home shoppers have a selection that's roughly equivalent to the pre-pandemic housing market. This is what we were talking about before. We're sure there is more inventory. We're up 21%, but we're, we still don't have six months inventory. We're still at three. And so we're still 50% of what we should be to have, like it says here, a selection that's roughly equivalent to pre-pandemic housing markets. And so we still have a shortage. And whenever you have a shortage, you're still going to see prices go up. You're still going to see prices go up. This is the 2022 forecast update that uh, Realtor.com comes out with every year. At the beginning of the year, they didn't think much was going to happen. They were forecasting 0.3% growth in inventory on a national level. They have updated that, of course, to 15% growth in inventory this year. So Mark Fleming, chief economist, First American, again, he, this dude has quote after quote. He says, we should start to see less competition. We're seeing that. Fewer bidding wars. We're seeing that. And therefore, less upward price pressure. We're seeing that. In fact, a simple analysis shows that a one-month increase in the month's supply results in a 3% decline in annualized house price growth. And our preliminary house price index is already showing moderation in home prices in April. Now, here's where people are getting confused. 3% decline in annualized house price growth, not annualized house price. That extra word growth is the critical one. You're still seeing positive growth, just not so much. And again, that's something that I think is healthy. So that brings the question of, should I buy a home right now? That's what buyers, there's a lot of buyers on the sideline. I'm having these conversations all the time. Should I do it? Should I wait? What's going to happen? So let's break this down. Here's some national and local headlines, the news, fake news, real news. It's just a lot of confusing stuff. Buying a home at the wrong time can backfire, pay to wait. Again, that word, home prices decelerate, housing market downshifts, the cooling housing market. So you're seeing a lot of these words, the great deceleration. What does it all mean? Decelerating home prices do not mean depreciating home prices. These are two very different concepts that people are getting confused. And the analogy that I use when I talk about this is, let's say you're going down the highway at 120 miles an hour. You're just booking it. 120, you're just going, blasting it. And all of a sudden you pull back and you hit the brakes and now you're going 90 miles an hour. 90 miles an hour is still pretty fast. It's not 120, it's 90, but you're still moving forward. You haven't stopped the car and pulled in reverse. You're still moving down the freeway 90 miles an hour. The problem is that that break from 120 to 90 feels very violent. So it's just this jolt. If you slam on the brakes really fast from 120 to 90, that feels violent and it takes some adjustment. That's what we're feeling right now. 
you're feeling the brake, the jolt of, oh, you slammed on the brakes. It's like everybody slams into the seat for a second and it's like, okay, but you're still moving forward 90 miles an hour. You're just not going 120. My argument is you shouldn't want to go 120. You should want to go the speed limit. Like that's what you should do. But there has to be a break in order to get back to speed limit. But that doesn't mean that we're going in reverse. It's two very different concepts. Here we have home price forecast for 2022. We have up to almost 11% via Fannie Mae. Now, again, not 25%, but still double digits. That's still great growth. If you look at the average, about 8.5% growth. So again, are home prices going to come down? No, they're not. If that's what you're waiting for, they're not going to come down. There's just, there's just no data to support that. Estimated home price performance. Uh, now, you are going to see slower growth as we come out of this recession. Things have to recover. So 2023 to 2026, rough estimates, about four, three to 4% growth. That's, that's more normal. That's more normal. That's more sustainable. That creates for a healthier market. But it's still growth. We're still in green. I don't see any red. So here's where waiting can actually hurt you because you can wait for rates to come down. Let's say you're waiting for rates to come down one point. Sure, they, they went down one point, but the price of the home went up 10%. It cancels itself out. It's just going to cancel itself out. Uh, David Ramsey, all right, everybody loves Dave Ramsey, personal finance personality. He says the root issue of what drives house prices almost always is supply and demand. Now, interest rates affect that. When interest rates go up, guess what? Fewer buyers. That's what we're seeing now. The demand goes down. Those prices are going to soften or not be as cray-cray. Imagine Dave Ramsey saying cray-cray. Come on, bro. As they have been, and that's what we're seeing right now. So it's a broken record. You're going to hear me say it a thousand times. It's just slower, but it's not in decline. We're not going 120 miles an hour anymore. We're going 90. Uh, I won't get too much into this. This talks a little bit about single housing family units completed. Uh, this is basically new builds. We're still under the average, uh, the national average of what we would need. So, we, and we've been that way for 14 years. So we're below the 50 year average. There aren't enough homes. And that is also what is causing a lot of this situation. Now, here's another kind of argument to why the market is going to survive. The biggest chunk, the biggest population chunk is these 25 to 29 year olds. That is the age where we start thinking about home ownership. So the millennials are coming into the market. The millennials are coming into the market. The millennials are coming. And so uh, Realtor.com says experts don't believe the market is in a bubble or a crash is in the cards like during the Great Recession, aka 2008. The nation is still suffering from a housing shortage that has reached crisis proportions at a time when many millennials are reaching the age when they start to consider home ownership. That's likely to keep prices high. So these dudes, us, my tribe, my crew, the millennials, we're here to save the day. And we're going to save the day by buying homes, keeping prices where, th where they need to be, and basically keeping everything in check. And so that is my state of the market for July 2022. Again, the most important video of the month. If you only consume one piece of content, make it this on Spotify so that you can watch the video. It's the only place where I post it. I do not post this on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, nowhere. It is only on Spotify. So check it out, share it, pass it on, and let's make some good decisions.